So, Mark. Yes. This movie follows Airbud rules. I mean, they just quote Airbud at some they point. They literally say, like, there's no rule in the book that says a snail can't race in the Indy 500. Which also, I think, is much more questionable because people don't race in the Indy 500. It's cars that do. So you'd have to classify the snail as a car. There's also the thing of, like, different kinds of car racing use different kinds of cars. Like, there would be extensive detailed rules about the kind of car you are allowed to use in that race. So the snail would have to be driving a car. Right. It's entirely different from saying, like, a children's basketball league does not technically specify (laughs) that the children have to be human. So what we're saying, there are some plot holes in this film. I Mark, we could talk for an hour just about the rules of this race because I have a lot of questions. Yeah, so I just don't really think that that one applies here, but I guess they went for it. So what I was wondering, Mark, was if you could apply Airbud rules for an animal and a sport, what do you think would be best? Either for most fun or for the animal most likely to win. So when when you first said this as an idea, the image I got in my head was horses riding people to play polo. Now, I don't think that really fits the theme. I don't think the horses would do that well, but it is a mental image I wanted to put in other people's heads. It is funny. It would have to be like the tiny horse from SNL. Yes. It would be a little Sebastian situation. And I guess you'd have to like tape the mallet to them or they use their mouths or something. Yeah, I was trying to come up with something that would work and where the animal might have an advantage. So like I was thinking about an eagle playing golf so like if the eagle could hold the golf club in its claws it would have the advantage of its eagle vision to more perfectly Uh, aim i guess they would have a really good swing too because they could fly very far back right is there a rule in golf that you can't have a running start (laughs) that actually i think might be true well here's the thing i don't know that you would want one because it would be harder to aim so it might just be like there's not a rule because you would have to be an idiot Right. Wow. Uh, so, in terms of actually doing well, I think if you could train a gorilla to play baseball, That's they good. could knock it out of the park every time. That feels possible. And then they're fast. Like, faster than you think. So, they'd be able to take the bases really quickly. What about hippos playing water polo? Uh, I mean, the amount of human deaths that that would cause. <laughs> Those things are vicious. Yeah. But... I think gorillas also have massive hands, so they could catch the baseball even without a mitt. This feels like the best answer. Airbud producers, call me. We'll come up with a new title. Uh, well, about... are you an are you an MVP fan? What's that? Most valuable primate. Most vertical primate. Most vertical. Oh, is that the chimpanzee skateboarding one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am not. I can't believe I remembered that that existed, though, as soon as you said that. (laughs) Wow. I'm looking at the poster. It is labeled as being a product of Airbud Entertainment. I cannot believe that they have a label for the Airbud movies. Okay, so what I'm seeing now as I dig deeper, MVP 2 is most vertical primate. MVP 1 is most valuable primate, and it's a monkey playing hockey. Yeah, I mean, I guess the idea of a primate is probably pretty easy because they have hands. Yeah, and there is MXP, which is most extreme primate, where the monkey is a snowboarder. All of those sound terrible. All of these films are 
borderline animal abuse. And the biggest mistake they made was making the Air Buddies talk. I haven't seen it, but I know that that is the truth. Yeah, so they're set in like a... The Air Buddies movies are in a different continuity. Because in those, they can talk. I don't think they can talk to the people. But maybe. I don't actually know. Mark, just go for me here. How many main series Air Buds films are there? I'm gonna go with... Oh, God. Um... Eight? I think it's a lot. Um, there have only been five of the main Air Buds. There have been seven Air Buddies. There's seven Air Buddies? In what year do you think the most recent Air Buddies film came out? Oh, God. Like, 2015? It's 2013. Yeah. 2013. That was Super Buddies. After acquiring rings that grant them superpowers, the Buddies must use them to stop a villainous alien dictator. Jesus Christ. They really uh, jabberjaw in space to that series. The one before that is Treasure Buddies. The buddies find themselves on an Indiana Jones-style adventure. I'm assuming these are straight-to-home video. Oh, yeah. Straight-to-VOD. Those all sound terrible. I'm kind, I kind of want to watch it. So, over the course of the Airbud films, Airbud, the Golden Retriever, played five sports. Do you know what sports Airbud played? Basketball. Obviously. Soccer. He played soccer in Airbud 3 World Pup. Um. Hmm. I'm trying to think of things where you don't need to grip. Did he do that baseball? That was not necessarily. Yes, he did play baseball in Airbud 4 7th inning fetch. Awful. Um. Did he play hockey too? He did not. That's a monkey sport. Okay. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> um, what other sports are there? Football? Yes, he played football in Airbud 2, Golden Receiver. I gotta say, these are all pretty great titles. Yeah, they're good. Oh my You've God. gotten the first four. You're just missing Airbud 5 from 2003. Uh, what other sports are there? Not golf. Bowling? <laughs> <laughs> no. Poker? I, I don't know. Uh, Airbud 5 is Airbud Spikes Back. It's the volleyball one. Oh my god. They really. Oh god. That series needed to end. We also have not mentioned either of the Santa Paws films. Are those also Airbud Productions or whatever they called it? They are. There's The Search for Santa Paws and Santa Paws 2 The Santa Pups. So I will say. I think that The Search for Santa Paws could be a better movie than Turbo. <laughs> I mean, here, here's what's fascinating about Turbo. It's that Turbo is like a bad DreamWorks animation movie ripping off of a much better Pixar movie. But it is at that point where like it looks much better. Yes, but they did make one. I mean, it's a pretty easy mistake to make, pretty small. Um they forgot the jokes. You know, I mean, that's like a small mistake, but they kind of just forgot to add jokes. Except for a lot of fat jokes. There were a lot of fat jokes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not funny, this movie. Here's my question, Mark. We're told that Turbo's personal record at the start of the movie is going one foot in 17 minutes, yes? Yes. You remember this scene? I believe that is correct. And uh, Turbo's very excited about this. And then later on, the night that he gains his powers, he is bummed and he leaves 
the snail farm factory thing and goes to the highway. H- how far away do you think the highway is from this <laughs> suburban neighborhood? Will, you can't bring logic into this movie. Maybe he caught a ride. To go a mile at his top speed, it would take him 1,500 hours. Did you calculate how far it is from Van Ness to the 101? No, I just said, what if it's a mile? Yeah. This movie is bad, folks. So should we get into it? Oh, yeah, I forgot we hadn't started the episode. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This is an investigative podcast dedicated to examining the least important issue facing the world today. Can snails raise in the Indy 500? Oh my god. Uh, And does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these snails actually dateable or even likable? No, it doesn't matter (laughs) if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation, which is good, because that's what we've got. And this week, we are once again looking at the romances of DreamWorks Animation with their 2013 snail racing movie, Turbo. Guys, I was dreading it, and I was correct to dread watching this movie. (laughs) I, at one point, was like, oh my god, I can't believe I made it this far into the movie. How much do I have left? I had an hour left. I had made it 30 <laughs> Same minutes. Thing. Uh, here's, let's talk about some of the good stuff. There were no ad breaks in the middle on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, the Samuel L. Jackson snail actually got one laugh in. I don't remember what it was. But, like, yeah, he was all right. Um... I do think that the garden where the snails live is really well shot. Like, you know, this is kind of backhanded praise, but like, it looks a lot better than a lot of DreamWorks movies. Like, there is a real intentionality to light sources, to focus, to perspective, especially in the garden. The problem is the humans still look terrible. Yeah, the humans look so bad, but for some reason they actually did a good job with the snails and the tomatoes. It's like better looking than monsters versus aliens but this is no monsters versus aliens in that it was surprisingly entertaining in some form right that movie is much better than this one but it looks worse right god this movie was awful what awareness did you have of turbo before we started talking about it for the podcast i was aware of turbo and then i forgot it existed until we started talking about it for the podcast i like I was aware of it coming out in part because, like, Turbo's released in, like, mid-2013, which is right in the window where I'm really getting into following movie news and development and stuff like that. I'm a category of person that, like, according to conventional wisdom, does not exist. Like, I follow movies to the extent that I do because of superhero movies. Like, I grew up watching a lot of movies. I liked a lot of movies. But it was 2012 was the year of The Avengers, The Amazing Spider-Man, and The Dark Knight Rises. So that summer, I just started, like, reading everything I could find about those movies and about, like, upcoming superhero movies. And just, like, slowly jumping to more and more reputable, like, movie news sites. Like, I started on, like, the worst, lowest denominator aggregators. Like, Screen Rant? Screen Rant was a step up from where I started. Oh, God, Will. So then I was, like, reading Screen Rant for a while. And then I figured out, like, oh, these guys stink. Like, time to get get a little better and a little better. So, in that sense, I view myself as a success. Like, popcorn entertainment got me to eventually watch much better stuff and read good film news. But, in the midst of that period, that's when Turbo was coming out. When I was reading about, like, everything that was coming up. And so, I was aware of Turbo in that sense. I was also aware 
of the launch of Turbo Fast. What is that? Turbo Fast is the first Netflix children's show. Oh. They started with Turbo? Yeah. They actually put it into production in 2012, so before the movie came out. And it premiered on Netflix in December 2013, so like five months after the movie opened. Why? Why would you choose that? Uh, cheap, probably. Yeah. And it's worth keeping in mind, like, it's the first Netflix children's series. 2013 is the same year as, like, House of Cards and Arrested Development Season 4 and, like, all of that. <sighs> I can't imagine the TV show is any better than the movie. I have not seen it. It's Flash animated. Um, Ken Jeong is the only returning cast member from the movie. Oh, my God. That performance is questionable at best. Turbo is voiced in the show by Reed Scott, who is, like, pretty good casting for a stand-in to Ryan Reynolds. I mean, honestly, with the bar Ryan Reynolds set, he could be better. He very well might be better at it, yeah. Um, You know, look, this movie came about because one night in, like, 2005, DreamWorks had a competition where anybody could pitch a one-page idea, and... Eventual director David Sorin pitched Fast and Furious with Snails, and he won the competition. I can kind of see why they would do that, but it's also so dumb. I will say, at the time it was coming out, I just assumed that this was DreamWorks' Cars ripoff. Because Cars was so huge for Disney and Pixar, in large part because of, like, merchandising. Like, Cars is one of the most valuable IP that Disney has because, like, any kid who wants a race car bed, that can be a Lightning McQueen bed. Right. Any kid who wants to, like, play with little toy cars, well, those can be Cars cars. Yeah. So I assumed DreamWorks was trying to get in on that. And it was weird to watch this and realize that it's not Cars, it's Ratatouille. It, it is Ratatouille. You are correct. It's, I God, I just, they put more effort into the tomatoes than the people. It's weird. Now, tomatoes are easier to animate than people. Well, but... yeah. But the tomatoes look good. They did. Even the rotten tomatoes. Also, are these snails? What is the labor happening? I don't know. So where Turbo lives at the start of the movie is in a community of snails in suburban California that frame their work, which is going into gardens and harvesting tomatoes, as like factory work. They talk about it like it's a factory, about having to go to work. Uh, even more so than in B-Movie, I don't understand the economy of this. This movie makes B-Movie look good. It makes B-Movie look like a well-reasoned universe. Because are they pests? Are they taking care of the tomatoes and then they receive tomatoes to eat as payment? Are the humans not paying attention to the tomatoes at all and it's just an accident? The snails also seem to have like full understanding of human culture. Like, they use phrases like photo finish. Chet, the Paul Giamatti snail, gives the standard criticism of, like, car racing that it's like, oh, just left turn, left turn, left turn. They have their own world modeled after the human world and seem to fully understand the human world. It's it's so strange. Also, bees making honey makes sense. Snails tending tomatoes. I thought snails were garden pests. Yeah, they are. So... Why don't the humans react to them at all? The only thing, the only human we see react to the snails in the garden area is the little boy who likes to run him over on his big wheel. What a weird movie. <laughs> what a weird movie. And I also, when I was in Singapore, there were a lot of really big snails. 
like really big snails that live around. And I loved them. And one time I accidentally stepped and crushed a snail's shell and I cried. So I like snails and I felt so bad. But this Would movie... you bet your future on a snail? Oh my God. Also, the snails do not care if other snails die. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> but they, except for when they do. Like they're upset when it seems like Turbo might get chopped up by the lawnmower. Yeah. And they hate Turbo. But when other snails get picked up by the crows, they just continue with their lives. Yeah. I just... Ugh. 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 Will, why do... Why are there now two movies I've seen with a villainous race car driver with a French accent? What's the other one? Talladega Nights. Sasha Baron oh, Cohen sure. plays the, like, Perrier car driver. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would believe that this one is based on that. Yeah, is this like a reference to his character? It's possible. It might be. What I don't understand regarding the racer is like, yes, there's this French-Canadian IndyCar driver that Turbo the Snail is obsessed with. And when Turbo manages to get himself into the Indy 500 based on Airbud rules, this guy reveals himself to just be nice for the cameras and actually mean because he wants to win races. But then, like, at the end of the race when there's the big car pileup and Turbo is going, the French-Canadian guy hauls his car to the finish line. What I don't understand is, at that point, can he not just walk? Because they've already allowed in the rules that organisms can use their natural power to propel themselves to the finish line. So when there's only a little bit left, could he not just, like, take three steps and win? Maybe they consider the shell his car. But that doesn't make any sense. I think the, the like, biggest nod to realism is that he has to carry his car across the finish line. Granted, I don't even think that would count. But, like, in Ricky Bobby, when they both have, like, a foot race to the finish line, everyone's like, yeah, this does not count. Yes, but neither of them was a snail. Yeah. <laughs> Airbud rules. It doesn't work in this situation. I hated this. I hated this movie so much. It's pretty dull is part it's of the boring. problem. boring. It was boring. And part of it is because, like, it dispenses with its issues so briefly. Like, when Michael Pena first has the idea to, like, I'm going to enter this snail in the Indy 500, everybody that he wants to invest is like, no, that's a stupid idea. And then they watch Turbo Race, and they're all like, oh, this is great. We should totally invest in this snail. Except they had already seen him race at that point. So it's not clear to me why seeing him race a second time changed their mind. Because the bus came. Oh. They brought in like 10 people to this strip mall. It doesn't make sense. Now, we should, you know, we've been talking around the fact that Turbo is a snail, but he's very fast. And we should acknowledge that the reason Turbo is very fast is because... When he gets depressed and decides to leave the garden, he goes down to... He <laughs> spends 1,500 hours <laughs> getting to the 101. He goes down to where people are having a, a Fast and Furious-style street race. In the L.A. River. Like, in the L.A. River, in right. In Greece. And he is riding one of the cars and gets sucked into the engine. And he's hanging around inside an internal combustion engine when the driver decides to release nitrous to get a little boost. And the nitrous flows into the engine, thereby engulfing Turbo, who, rather than being drowned, the nitrous somehow goes into his DNA and rewrites his DNA so that now he's very fast. So he can go very fast. And also, we should mention that he uh, his eyes can be headlights, and he has uh, taillights on his butt, and also a radio built in. 
I mean, and he becomes a proximity a, alarm. Like he, he beeps when he bumps into a something. car. Yes, he fully becomes a car due to exposure to nitrous. The radio is the worst part to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie, man. Ugh, I don't get it at all. I think one of the big problems with this movie is it is a Ratatouille thing. Like Turbo has a dream of racing, but he can't be in the Indy car in the Indy five hundred on his own. Michael Pena has a dream of being a respected and successful businessman, but he runs a taco truck. And so the two of them become a team where Pena gets him entered in the race and then Turbo gets to race it and win money for Michael Pena's business. The problem with it is like at no point in Turbo do you have a like partnership of the type that exists in Ratatouille. We don't really have scenes of Turbo and Michael Pena together like interacting much just the two of them. They also both have large support systems outside of that partnership. And what works in Ratatouille is the two guys are isolated. They only have each other. Also, imagine in Ratatouille if Gustav ended up being the villain. That would be a bummer. Instead, he's just a weird ghost. Yeah, it's so much better. It's weird that this is DreamWorks Ratatouille. Yes. I truly hated this movie. (laughs) But I think one thing they did right is they captured virality in 2013 very well. Yes. But some of it even then is weird when it's like everything with the announcers. So I think one of them is Chris Parnell, right? Yes. They're just constantly saying things that like don't make any sense. Like they're saying like, I don't believe it. Turbo just went under a car. And it's like, why would you not believe that? It's a snail. They go under cars <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. It would be weird if he didn't. And that's when I'm watching the race and I'm like, Yeah, it makes sense that the cars are, like, getting close to hitting Turbo or running him over or stuff. Because they cannot see him. Because they are in cars and he is a snail. I mean, he leaves a bright blue track behind him, Will. They should be able to see him. Why doesn't he do the whole race on the wall? That's my question. That's what he should do. But Turbo is pretty dumb. Ugh, Ryan Reynolds is doing a terrible job voice acting, too. Yeah, where are you at on Ryan Reynolds these days? I He is good in some movies, mediocre in most, bad in others. Yeah. I, I'm kind of at the point with him where I no longer assume that he will be good in anything. Yeah. When he is used well in a movie, it can be done well. I thought he was a great voice actor as Detective Pikachu, honestly. He's awesome in that movie. So we know he can do it. He just clearly did not care about this movie at all. Yeah. Paul Giamatti, I love you. He, he's but weirdly good in this. better. He had, like, his one emotional scene where he gives his, like, speech was good. But other times I thought it just, he even he was phoning it in. I don't think it's a great performance. This is no, like, Bruce Willis in Over the Hedge. Yeah. But he, at the very least, is, like, giving a performance throughout the whole thing. Now, does that performance always make sense? No. Like, when the night before the race, he's like, what if you wake up tomorrow and your powers are gone? It's like, uh, fine, but like what nothing in the movie has indicated that that is possible. Yeah, what evidence do you have for that? You know what was disappointing to me? <laughs> Richard Jenkins. What are you doing in this movie? <laughs> Just getting a paycheck. Oh my god, this probably paid for something really amazing. Yeah, I hope so. And then Michelle Rodriguez, the only connection they have to Fast and the Furious, and had nothing to do. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. This movie's not good. This movie, no good, very bad. It's crazy how both of us were like, we. I feel so many things, and yet we get here, and it's like, the only feeling I actually have is, it's bad. Yeah. 
the gang of snail racers that they have at Starlight Plaza. Because they already race snails at this strip mall. Right, with all their, like, tricked out shells. It is funny that the snail racers think they are very fast, but are just snails. Yeah. I thought they were entertaining enough. Did you have a favorite snail racer? Well, you said you liked the Samuel Jackson one. Yeah. I thought he was funny at times. Yeah, in part because, like, his whole thing is, like, he's the ringleader of this group that thinks they are much greater than they are. Yeah, and, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson plays a good ringleader. Established fact. Have you seen... This is just, like, last night as we're recording. Have you seen the video of him getting his honorary Oscar from Denzel Washington? No, I didn't. It's pretty amazing. Oh, I'll have to check that out. It's just classic Sam Jack being excited at the Oscars. I also did think that Snoop Dogg did a good rap at the end of the movie during the credits. You're talking about Let the Bass Go? Yeah, because he is a talented artist. That's true. I honestly, the snail gang probably could have been used better, but they weren't the, they were probably the best part of the movie. Well, Mark, it sounds like you might be interested in Turbo Fast. Not if they don't have the same voice actors. (laughs) This movie just falls into that DreamWorks trap of spending all their money on getting big name actors and then not giving them a good enough script to do anything with. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do. It is striking that this movie comes out like four months after The Croods. The Croods is so good. And also with really strong celebrity voice actors. Yeah. It can be done well. But for the most part, DreamWorks does not do it well. For what it's worth, we should acknowledge the market did punish Turbo to an extent. Yes. It opened July 17th, 2013 in third place behind The Conjuring and Despicable Me 2. And it only topped out at $83 million domestic. I mean, talk about a lack of staying power, too. Now, it did make another $200 million internationally. Oh my god. Why? But I think it's telling that, like, it couldn't crack 100 in the U.S., and DreamWorks has not gone back to that well. Yeah. I mean, the movies DreamWorks makes sequels to are their good ones. They know which ones are good. Or at least ones that are hits. Yeah. I am less sold on Madagascar. Oh, I forgot about Madagascar. I've blocked it. But, I mean, like, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, and The Croods are probably three of their best. Absolutely. Obviously, their best is Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Now, speaking of DreamWorks <laughs> sequels, Mark. Prince of Egypt sequel. <laughs> well, they, you know, they made a direct-to-video Prince of Egypt sequel. What's it about? It's about Joseph. Oh. I guess. So, I guess it's a prequel. No, Joseph is af- No, before. Yeah, it's a prequel. Yeah. Uh, it's called Joseph, King of Dreams. I have heard of this. I think I've seen it. It's not bad. They probably showed it at church. Yeah. Speaking of DreamWorks sequels, we should acknowledge a couple of people have reached out to us, um, especially via email. Jed wrote to... I want to pull up his email. I found it. Jed wrote to us and said, in all caps, Puss in Boots exists. New Puss in Boots sequel coming. What will you guys do? Hashtag, I've seen Puss in Boots. Interesting villain. Thanks, Jed. Yeah, so so I think we should acknowledge this. I did reply to Jed's email, but I heard about this from some other people too. It is true that a Puss in Boots movie is finally coming out this year. Puss in Boots, I believe it's called The Last Wish. But people are trying to use the existence of this new Puss in Boots movie somehow as evidence that a Puss in Boots movie was released theatrically 11 years ago. When we all know that it actually came out, uh, I don't know what, it would have been 
almost 40 years ago starring Christopher Walken. Right, yes. The the canon classics. Yeah. Puss in Boots film shot in Israel. Correct. I think people are a little bit confused because much like Turbo, there was a Puss in Boots animated series. And so I think people watched that probably at an age where they were young enough that they weren't really processing the difference between TV and movies. And so they have in their head, oh, there was a Puss in Boots, and now there's a Puss in Boots movie happening. But that's a different thing. Like, yes, DreamWorks did put development into a Puss in Boots movie about a decade ago. They even started advertising it. But that movie didn't come out. If it had, people would have seen it. People would be able to say to us, hashtag, I've seen Puss in Boots. And they'd be able to talk about it without just using stuff from this TV show. Yeah. Uh, We all know it doesn't exist. Now, look. Is it possible we will have to cover Puss in Boots The Last Wish? Yes. God, I hope not. We just wanted to address this on the show to make it clear that we are aware of this movie and people should not try to use it to manipulate facts into something that's not true. Yeah. We are committed to the truth on this podcast. We like the truth almost as much as we hate murder. And almost as much as we love love. That's true. Oh my God. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, stars Antonio Banderas, of course, because he is from the TV show, I believe. And he's from And he's Shrek in the 2. Shrek movies. And then also Florence Pugh, Salma Hayek, and Olivia Colman, and Harvey Guillen. I do think Salma Hayek has some ties to the Puss in Boots franchise. I mean, probably. But Florence Pugh, welcome. Oh my god. Now, uh, we should mention that Turbo was the first film to screen in 4DX in Chile. Why? Why must we mention that, Will? What possible reason? Like, (laughs) of course, of course we have to mention that. You know, here's the thing. (laughs) I think Turbo might be a good 4DX movie. I mean, it would still be a bad movie, but 4DX would make it better. You would rumble. So I have now seen a 4DX movie, Mark. Uh, You saying we have to mention this. (laughs) is one of the funniest things in your desperate attempt to find any information about the film Turbo. Mark, you got to come with me to a 40X movie sometime. I know. I do want to. I saw Uncharted, which is not good, but the seats do much more than just rumble. They are on platforms that fully tilt. Oh, wait, that actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And like, it takes nothing for them to tilt. If the camera pans upward, the seat tilts back. Oh, that, okay, I'm on board. I'll come with you. We just gotta pick something. Okay. Turbo was also nominated for a number of Annie Awards. Uh, It lost all of them. It was nominated for animated effects and character design and lost both to The Croods, directing and music and lost both to Frozen, voice acting for Paul Giamatti, lost to Josh Gad for Frozen, and best editing, which lost to Monsters University. Wow. Uh, uh, None of those are a surprise. Yes, all of those movies are better than Turbo. All right. So should we talk about the practically non-existent romance in this movie? Yes, the directorial debut of David Soren, who we will talk about later when we discuss DreamWorks, The Adventures of Captain Underpants. I didn't even think that was DreamWorks. I thought it was too like too much of a failure to be DreamWorks. There's nothing that's too much of a failure to be DreamWorks, Mark. I mean, that's true. You ready for Mr. Peabody and Sherman? Uh, that's not Meet the Robinsons, is it? <laughs> no. Then no, I am not. Okay, so, Will, every week we break down the romantic plotline of a movie into five points. I don't know how you managed to squeeze them out, but you have five points here on the script in front of us, so will you get us started? All right, so, as you say, there's not a lot of romance in Turbo, 
but there is weirdly not none. I honestly think Turbo could have used a girlfriend. Yes, because that would be a character for... Turbo needs a character that actually pulls him in another direction. Instead, we just have Chet, the Paul Giamatti character, who's like, Turbo, your dreams are stupid. Go back to the garden. Yeah. We need somebody who cares a little bit about what Turbo wants, but is also, like, concerned for his safety. We need a very stereotypical sports girlfriend. Yeah, just something to latch on to. So, anyway, all of our romantic points involve Burn, the red snail, voiced by Maya Rudolph. Who is... Crying? Yeah. Look, she spent a good 30 minutes in that recording booth doing her best. She does not have a lot of time, which yeah. I guess is why you can try if you are there for less than a day. So our first point is after Turbo's first race in the garage. Hey, how'd you do that? Because Turbo, he's now super fast and stuff, but he's been captured by Michael Pena, who takes him to a garage in a strip mall where they do snail races you know that normal thing that people do and turbo as we've said before is turbo fast and so when they have this snail race all these would-be tough snails are going at snail speed and turbo goes at at turbo speed because his dna is infused with nitrous right as chet is trying to just escape and after crushing all the other snails in the race burn says how'd you do that in a flirty way but that is a misdirect, because right. that is not the romance. Point number two! Point two! Bird is on a windshield wiper. I did. At this point, they are driving to the Indianapolis 500, because, and I do not know if this is true, you can apparently enter the qualifiers for the Indy 500 just by paying a couple thousand bucks, and then you just have to successfully do one race, and then you're in the Indy 500. Yeah, you just have to be fast. Turbo fast. Oh my god. Yeah, so they're on their way there, and she's on a windshield wiper going back and forth. This seems dangerous for a snail. Everything it they seems do like seems she dangerous should be for a snail. It seems like she should be splattered. But while she's riding this windshield wiper, Chet, the Paul Giamatti snail, sees her. Yeah. Point number three! <laughs> Point three. You're gonna be my boyfriend! I'm gonna call you Boo! Boo? What does that even mean? Burn, as she is passing, says that Chet is now her boyfriend. And she's going to call him Boo. And Chet looks like he feels kind of weird about it. Yep. Mark, that's that. this is what I envisioned when we were first coming up with the show. When we were like main plot or one scene <laughs> flirtation, I was like, at some point, we're going to do a 30-minute episode <laughs> where we have to break down two lines of dialogue into five points. Granted, we are still pushing 45 minutes at this point, and we are on point three. Well, the show's gotten longer in the last five years. Yes. But we are now on point four, because Chet does that. nothing to respond. Yeah, from that windshield wiper scene, this threat is not picked up on again until the last scene of the movie. Yeah, uh, I did make a note of when that happens. It is 47 minutes into the movie. So basically the midway point. But then it's just nothing. At the very end of the movie, Chet is dressed up as a fire truck. Okay, listen up. Let's have a nice, safe race out there today. Don't want any accidents. That being said, blow him off the track, bro. Mm, I love a man in uniform. For real. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I think he's an ambulance because Chet likes safety. 
Well, no, because what it is is, like, they get dressed up as, like, toys, and then, like, now the kid with the big wheel plays with the snails instead of killing them. Oh, my God. And Byrne says, I love a man in uniform, and cozies on up to Chet, dressed as a truck. Yeah. So that's how we learn, I guess, she is still interested in him. Yeah, and I think Chet is reciprocating at this point. Well, we find out more in point number five. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Simmer down, boo. I'm on duty here. Chet says, not now, boo. I'm working. So now he's the one who's calling her boo. I do like how points four and five are literally two lines that are said back to back. Yeah, look, I had to work with what I got. (laughs) I know. Uh, So, Will, do you find the romance believable? I think no. I don't think Chet would be attracted to Burn because Chet is too much of a safety guy, too much of a stay-in-the-garden guy. And I don't really see that changing during his journey to Indianapolis. Well, I guess it's an opposites attract situation. Maybe. She represents danger. I have a hard time imagining Byrne really respecting Chet. Yeah. Now, no, I got nothing. I was trying to come up with something. I got nothing. Where would you rate this on a 10-point scale? One. One. That's fair. Do you think they're dateable as snails, I guess? No, Chet is annoying. And Burn, I don't know anything about. Burn is a non-entity. Uh, do you think that Chet and Burn will stay together? Sure, why not? Their lifespan is what a year. Mark, if you had to pick one character in Turbo to date, who would you choose? I mean, I'm probably just gonna go with Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, that's fine. Or no, it's Richard Jenkins because he owns a hobby shop. Yeah, I was gonna say Richard Jenkins. Now, Mark, <laughs> the important question. Should there be a Turbo musical? Absolutely, yes. With real snails. <laughs> Do they have to sing? <laughs> no, the people around them sing. But at some point, there has to be a real snail race on stage. Uh, obviously, this would be a terrible idea. This movie's stupid. Uh, its story is stupid. The characters are stupid. It's all bad. Well, all right. that's it for Turbo. We did it. We did Turbo. It's time to find another upcoming DreamWorks movie for Mark to dread. Yikes. But until we figure that out, next week we will be going back to the 1988 Oscar Best Picture nominees with The Accidental Tourist. It's streaming on Canopy, so you can watch it there. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Level of Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at levelofpod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts, to help other people find the show. All right, last question. What is the best piece of dating advice we got from Turbo? I'm going to say, be open to love in unexpected places, like a strip mall garage. Uh, Be honest with your feelings. That's a good one. Yeah. So there you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Seen players, too many to name. Some gang records.